welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. And today I'll be reading from Matthew 6, 25-33. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so to start our teaching time this morning, we're going to do something that some of you love, some of you hate, some of you are really good at, some of you, I'll be honest, are not that good at it. Some of you were told growing up in your church, maybe by a pastor, that it was from the devil. I'm just going to tell you right now, that lie was from the devil. We are going to dance. Okay, now some of you, I know you're going to channel your, the days when you were the legend of the club, whatever. Well, that's another teaching talk. We'll talk about that. Um, but here's what I want you to do. And it's not just any dance, okay? I want you to stand up where you are, and we are going to do a happy dance. Okay, you're going to do your own happy dance. Because listen, even if you're not a dancer, everybody needs a happy dance. So make sure there's nothing breakable or any one breakable near you. But you are going to stand up, <clears throat> and on the count of three, you're going to do your happy dance, okay? One, two, three. See all the people in the house? Everyone's going... Yes, yes, yeah, I'm a little here, and then I'm up here. This is kind of channeling my inner club days, okay, back when I was a legend. All right, so that was, you can sit down now. Thank you, crew. That was good to watch. Um, all right, so the happy dance was made popular, or came back again a few years ago when Lotto 649 did their campaign around if you won the lottery, right? And they said, look, you got to practice your happy dance because you could win the lottery, and that would, you'd want to do your happy dance. Well, here, here's what I want to suggest to you, is that you might have won the lottery, but you didn't realize it. In the season that we're in, in the last three months, you might have just won the lottery, and you didn't realize it. Now, I know that the COVID season has not been happy. There's been very few occasions to do a happy dance. I know that it's been hard. It's been um, uncertain. It's been unsettling. All of the things, and we're all in it together in that sense. We've all experienced that, and I know it's been hard. But one thing that has happened is that we kind of, in a way, have won a lottery even though we didn't realize it. And by that I mean many of us, almost all of us in some respects, suddenly got back a whole bunch of discretionary time. Now, I know for a few of us, COVID season has been busier, and maybe there's lots of reasons why we felt busier, but in a lot of other ways, and certainly when I think about my own life and a lot of other people, all of a sudden there were a lot of things, and by discretionary time, I mean like, like 
playing sports, like watching sports, like travel for business or for pleasure, um, conferences, commuting, um, math clubs. Some of you are like so happy that so many things got canceled. So many things you just couldn't do anymore. And it wasn't like you said, well, I can't do this anymore. And other people were like, why not? Everyone was like, yeah, I understand. You have to cancel your membership. You're not going to the gym anymore. Or such and such a place is closed. Everything was shut down, canceled, or closed. And all of a sudden, you, didn't, you maybe didn't realize it, you got back a whole bunch of discretionary time. Like the things that you could choose to do and spend your time on. Now, here's why this is so important. They say, uh, I don't uh, some of the st statistics anywhere you kind of study and looked at sort of the certified financial board and uh, looked at articles in New York Times and things like that, they say that people who won the lottery are anywhere between 30% to 70% are broke within five years of winning. That up to a third of people will file for bankruptcy within five years of winning the lottery. Now, these are staggering statistics that we can go, well, that's so dumb, how could that happen? But here's what's possible, even for those of us here that would say, suddenly we have time, that when we have a lot of things, it's very easy to spend it again. And here's what I know about me, and I think it's true about you, at least anecdotally for many of you that I do know personally, we have conversations about this. Before COVID, you would have described your life as really busy. Somebody said, how's it go? Really busy. Like if we were to describe your time in financial terms, you would have said things are tight. It's really tight. You might have even said, I feel overspent in terms of time. Like I'm spending too much time. It's, I'm, it's, I'm so busy. Some of you might have even said, I'm in debt, like time debt. I know you can't actually be in time debt, but you would feel, feel like that, like you're overdrawn. There's an overdraft going on in your life. And others of you would said, from a time perspective, I am totally bankrupt. And so here is the unique thing that's going on. All of a sudden, we are in a place, in a space, in a time where for many of us, or at least many of us in many ways, have gotten a whole bunch of time back where before we had spent it, committed it for all kinds of things and reasons and discretionary ways, and suddenly it's back, and we are now at a really important point because we are, uh, we're calling it sort of re-entry or we're in phase two or phase three, whatever, where things are starting to open, and we will have the opportunity to spend that time again. And the question is, how do you know you're not going to be one of those people that we say, oh, I can't believe that lottery winner was bankrupt within five months. How do you know you're not going to be one of those people? How do I know I'm not going to be one of those people that when I was complaining about being busy or overdrawn or in debt or bankrupt from a time perspective, that a year from now, five years from now, I'm going to be right back where I was before all of this was wiped out. How do you know? So this is such an important time for us to be thinking about this, about what we do and what we choose to do with our time. The other reason we're talking about this now is we're in a series called uh, Generosity, and we're coming to the end of this series, and our premise in this is that God has invited us to have our hearts become more like his, to be more generous people, so that we can be free from worry, discontentment, and fear. And we said, hey, even if we're not sure where we sit on the generosity spectrum, all of us, I think, want to have less fear, less worry, and more contentment in our lives. And that generosity is God's unlikely cure for worry, fear, and discontentment. And, and when we think about this, actually, it isn't just about money, as we've talked about. We talked a little bit about money last week. But today, we want to talk about, um, related to this passage that was read for us earlier today, that Jesus... In one of his most famous sermons, they call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually a really long section of scripture. I do, they don't think that he preached it all at once. If, like, you think my sermons are long, that would have been a long sermon. Um, 
it's actually a compilation of teaching, but it was teaching at the important part of his life where he's saying, hey, this is how I want you to think about life. And it's one of Jesus' most famous sermons about worry. And he says something so significant about it that the issue of worry and actually fear and discontentment with under, which are underneath that is primarily about time. And so here's what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then he says this, Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? It's about time. He's describing to them a way of living that is worrying about the stuff of life. Food, clothing, shelter, all of the things that go into life. He said there's a way in which this isn't about time management. He said this is about your heart and your mind. You have anxiety, you have worry about all of these things. And here's the irony of it. He says, can any of you by worrying add an hour to your life? In other words, you can't make more room. You can't make more time. We all have the same amount of time in a day. You can't actually stretch it. Some of the translations actually say you can't add a single cubit to your height, which I would have liked to know when I was 10 because I was so short. Um, And like a cubit, I don't even know how much that is. We could look it up. Some of you are looking up. Don't look it up. Just pay attention. This is important. He's saying you can't stretch things that aren't meant to be stretched. You can't do that with your time or your body. You can't make more. That's not in your control. And Jesus is saying to him, look, by thinking about and planning about and scheming about all of the stuff of life, you are creating worry and anxiety. And in the end, you can't actually create more space to potentially people who felt like they were time starved. And so we know this is actually about time. And then he goes on to explain even more. He says this, and why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers. It's kind of like a Bob Ross thing, you know? See the flowers of the field. How they? No, it's not actually Bob Ross. I'll tell you why he's saying this later, okay? But it sounds like that. See how the flowers of the field grow. He probably would have been sitting in a place where they could see lilies, flowers, birds around them. And he's gesturing to them. He's saying, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, spin means like, you know, weaving clothes. Yet not, I, t- I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor, who was Israel's richest king, who reportedly had tons of clothes. You know, he was sort of the Amalda Marcos of the Israel uh, empire. Um, and all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? These are all the questions that are taking up your life. Instead, he says, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This word, run after, it's the word epizeteo. Zeteo means to, to look for. Epi is a prefix, a Greek prefix of making that word really strong. And so he's saying, look, there's a way you can live your life where you are strenuously running after, you are desperately seeking. You are desperate for this, desperate for that. The whole question, what should we eat? What should we wear? Where should we go? He said, you can live a way of life that is running after these things constantly that creates a sense of anxiety and desperation. And I gotta have this, I gotta have this, I gotta have this. And he said, all that does is create worry in your life. It's kind of like I got my little little jar here today. Um, You know, if you think about the stuff of your life, okay, 
things that you say, okay, well, I, you know, I need, there's stuff I need, like, you know, food, shelter, clothing, like, all that stuff. Well, that's really loud. Um, you know, all the things that you say, well, these are the things I need. And then there's other things where you're like, well, you know, yeah, but I, I kind of want this too. And that, that probably comes with that. And other people say, well, if you commit to that, well then, okay, you got all this now you got to put in your life. Making a mess up here. And then you say, oh, okay, well, now I've got a kid. Well, I guess we probably need this, and we got to think about that. And any of you know that if you're trying to purchase stuff or think about it, it involves time of research and times time of planning, and maybe if you're buying a house or something, you need finances. So now that just takes more time. Then you come across someone else who says, hey, you know what else you need? You need these. And you're like, yeah, that's true. Oh, you enjoy? Yeah, we did that. We went there. Okay, well, let's do that. So that goes in, and then you think, okay, but, oh, but this is important, so we should do that. And now... Like, okay, I can maybe cram. Oh, look, we got a spot here in the Google Calendar. We can cram that in a little bit more. And you think, like, there's not enough room, right? Where does it all fit? This is all the things of life. And Jesus says, then we get to this point where we live at capacity and we are worried about the things that we think we need and more of this and trying to cram it in. He said, this, there's a way to live life where this is what is obsessing with your time. And he said, it isn't about time management, although time management's a good thing. There's something going on to your heart. Remember we said it for, in the scriptures, the heart, not so much referring to your physical organ, but the center of you, your emotions, your thoughts, your motives, your decisions, your desires. He said, you are running after all of these things are consuming your mind as you spend the time that you have on these things. And this is a way that, you know, sort of money, time, and all of that wraps into these things. Jesus says, this is what is consuming you. It kind of describes our lives, doesn't it? Now, here's the cool thing about Jesus. So many cool things about Jesus. He doesn't go, shame on you for trying to do this, for trying to fit that in. He's speaking to people. He has compassion on the whole reason he's addressing it. He's saying, why are you worried? Why are you anxious? Why are you running this way, running that way? Why is your life overcrammed? He has compassion on them. And you and I need to pay attention to him because he's someone who actually loves us and cares about us. And we are in this place where suddenly let's pretend this is our discretionary time. All of a sudden it got emptied. Many of the things that you would have done on a weeknight, on a weekend, in the evenings, during the day, on your way in, on your way out, all of a sudden all of it canceled. And it isn't just sort of you trying to say, well, maybe I should do less because sometimes, you know, you try to cut back on, other, on time and other people are like, hey, you can't do that. You committed to that. Or how come you don't see us? And all, even for a period of time, you, can't, you couldn't even visit anyone. You literally had all of your discretionary time back. And so we are at this beautiful place just saying, well, what am I going to do now? What am I going to fill this Jesus actually has really practical wisdom for us, which is so good. But before he gets to the practical wisdom, there's something I just want to bring to your attention that I think is so important. Time is a trust issue. It's a trust issue with God. You know how he says the pagans run after all these things? The pagan in Scripture is not someone who's like an evil person. It's someone who lives as if there is no God. And he says, listen, if you live as if there is no heavenly father, your life will be filled with worry and anxiety as you run back and forth trying to get this, trying to get that, trying to fit this in. I think I need this. I need this. I want this. I used to want it. Now I need it. All of that stuff. And I think I should probably have that. He said, that's how those who live 
as if there is no God, live. That's why he spends so much time saying to them, but you have a heavenly father. And he reminds them, you have a heavenly father who loves beauty and loves you. That's why Jesus is saying, look at the flowers, look at the lilies. God is not a practical, functional minimalist saying, you know what, sell all the frills and just live on the basics. That's not who God is. He says, look, he creates flowers that are beautiful. And yes, they pollinate, and yes, they put oxygen in the air and all of these functional things. And yet God made the world not just functional, but beautiful. And he says, he, he makes things beautiful that only last a day. Like, that's so impractical. All you artists are like, see, it was worth it. All the rest of the practical people, why do you make that? It's going to get thrown out tomorrow. He says, even the grass of the field is here today and gone tomorrow, and even still, God makes it beautiful. He says, remember, when it comes to time, trust the person who's talking to you about it because he is a heavenly father who loves beauty. And then he says, aren't you way more valuable than all the beautiful things God makes? So he loves you too. So before we kind of get to the end of the message where we actually get to hear what Jesus says practically for what we should do, I want, I want to pause and I'm going to invite the band up and they're going to sing a song for us that's from maybe a psalm that you've read before or if you've never read scripture, maybe you've heard it, The Lord is My Shepherd, Psalm 23. It's a song that just reminds us that God is a heavenly father who loves beauty and who loves us. And so I just want you to pause right now even as you're thinking about maybe my messages amping you up in terms of all the busyness and you're worried, to just listen and let yourself be reminded of the kind of Father in heaven that you have. What a good reminder uh, of our Father in heaven, that he loves beauty and loves us. That's the trust issue that we have to first get settled with this and say, okay, God, I trust you. That's how anxiety and worry and fear and all of that and discontentment begin to go down as we say, okay, God, I trust you. I trust the plans that you have for me. I trust that I can listen to you, that you can direct me. You can help me with the choices that I need to make. But then Jesus actually gets really practical for us, which is really important because we need to say, okay, what do I do? What do I do if I have this opportunity to make choices now? How do I know I'm not going to be bankrupt just a month from now or a year from now and be right back where I was? Well, Jesus actually goes on in his verse and he says this. Instead of worry, he says, seek first. And that word seek is the same word as he said run after. It is zeteo. He says instead run after something else. He said there's something else you should seek first. He actually says to us there's such a thing as a first thing. Right? Where you and I might be tempted or or just kind of lulled into this idea where everything is equal value and all of the stuff is just stuff and we're making decisions here and there and this is in our calendar and we're scheduling this and scheduling that. Jesus says there's such a thing as a first thing, as a thing that above all the other things is of utmost importance. And he said that's the thing. Those are the things, the first things to run after. You say, well, what is, what is that first thing? He says it. He actually, it's two things, but it's, it, the way it's written, it's all one thing. He says, God's kingdom and God's righteousness. This is the first thing that you are meant to seek. 
You say, well, what, what, what is God's kingdom and God's righteousness? Those are two words that sometimes are a bit foreign to us. And in fact, if we're honest, maybe even have negative connotations. We think of sort of church and state and the mess of church history or righteousness. If someone's a, a righteous person, we sort of go, I mean, it used to mean cool, but now it just means like, oh, you're so good. But that's not what it meant in Jesus' day. He says, God's kingdom and God's righteousness are God's perspective on the world and on you. And he's basically saying, seek God's way of thinking about all of your life, about every decision that you make. It isn't about saying, hey, uh, church or synagogue, that's more important than this other stuff about food, shelter, and clothing. He says, no, there's a way of thinking about all of your life that is about thinking in the way that God sees it. That's what God's kingdom is, the, the world according to God. And then the righteousness are the actions, the things that you do that come out of your life, the choices you make, the stuff you put first that is a result of seeing the world the way God sees it. And Jesus says, these are the first things to seek. It's the things of God that is loving God, learning to love him, learning to have your heart. Remember we talked about last week about you having your heart attached to him. This is about seeking time with God to actually begin to know him and understand how he sees the world. It is about experiencing his love. And then, of course, the righteousness is all about love. That the first things that you put in your life, the things that are of utmost importance, the, there's such a thing as a first thing, is Jesus actually in another time when someone asked him what were the most important things in life, he says, love God and love other people. And so these first things that God actually invites us to prioritize in our lives, far beyond just simple time management, is saying put love for God, life with God, and life lived in the service of others first. He said, that is the first thing. That is how this begins to work. It's not actually saying, hey, your job, you spend too much time there. That's not important. God wants you just spending all your time praying. No, he wants you to think about your job through the, the way he thinks about it, to see your life and the things you do through his eyes. It isn't about saying, oh, school's not important, only prayer is important. No, it's about how you do your school, how you understand what are you there for to further your own life, to further your own education, to somehow get a good job so you can make enough money so you can have a position of power or find self-actualization? No. It's to bring God into the place you go and to love and serve the people you're around. In our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in everything we do, in everything we choose to do. And this is a beautiful thing, right? Jesus didn't say, why do you seek all those things? He says, no, think about God and God's kingdom and God's perspective first. For some of us, that actually may mean, you know, how we think about freeing up time and the decisions we make to actually have more of God in our lives. You know, for example, like we're in the summertime, we're heading into the summertime. We would have been playing sports as a family this summer. Jen and I would have, um, I was going to coach Gideon's baseball team. Noah probably would have been playing basketball of some kind, Joel, something else. And all of that's been canceled. And one of the things we found is we're eating dinner together more often. 
And it was something we tried to do more often. We found in the summertime, you're going here, driving there, we had less time together to eat. And we're having time to have beautiful conversations together, not just about God, but about each other. But there are times when things are going on in the news and we have a chance to actually sit and talk about it. The time has come back and it is coming back more meaningful to us. And now I love sports and we will always be a part of our lives, but it's made us think, wait a second, before we say yes to something else again, what what is that going to cost me? And how, how's that going to get in the way of maybe other things that I want to actually have in my life? Many of the things that we do, our midweek prayer meeting, our encounter prayer nights, weekly worship, maybe for some of you with your family or yourself, you're saying, you know what? I, I made other decisions that have actually kept me away from just being at a weekly worship gathering to have my soul recharged, to know God more again, to remember that he's a loving father who loves beauty and loves me. And I need to reprioritize that. Others of you may say, I need to take back time and make decisions that are going to allow me or my family to be able to serve others. One of the things that we came up for us in this season, just recently, we said, we're going to start saving for a, a next trip, but that trip is going to be, we're hopefully going to go to Guinea. And if Lizette will let us go there and the borders actually open and all of that stuff. But that's kind of what we're thinking, hey, we want to do that with our time. And that's been a shift for us. It's something God has just brought to our attention, even in this season. And so for some of you, maybe just thinking differently about what you're going to do with your money, what you're going to do with your time before you put it all back in. For others, it may be saying, we actually have a, a bunch of ideas on our website um, in our 30 Days of Generosity. For some, it may be adopt a student. We have college university students where you can um, actually worry about their food and their shelter and their clothing because they always need that, right? Like that's something to be actually be able to scheme and think about and plan and run after, Jesus says, those says, these are the things, the first things to put into your life to begin to think about. And you can go on our website to 30 Days of Generosity. And there's, we have you listed a bunch of things that you can do in ways that you can give your time. And Jesus says, look, when you put the first things first, he said the other things that God actually begins to add. He said, all these other things are added to you as well. That doesn't mean everything should go back in. But what it does mean is that when Jesus says, God will add all these other things to you as well. It's this picture of saying, the beautiful God that loves beauty and loves you is able to add more into your life than you could have crammed into it yourself. And his picture and his, his vision of what is beautiful is so much more than ours. This is actually what Jesus says. It isn't about, don't worry, do these things and God will cram everything else in your earth because some of the things, quite frankly, need to be left out. But Jesus says, God will add the other things to you as well if you put the first things first. And so here's what I want to challenge you with as you're thinking about this. What, what do I do from here? One, do an audit, okay? Look at, like, if you were, if, say you were, like, maxed out in your budget, even if you weren't money-wise, you would say, okay, where are we spending? Do an audit of your time. Think about your life. wasn't that long ago, three months ago. What would you have been doing on a regular basis, on, on an evening, on a weekend, on a weekday, during the day, all of those hours? Where do the hours go? Find out. We say that. Where did the time go? Well, find out. Do an audit, maybe as a family or in your own life you want to do that. And what if you look at and say, you know, like I would say, like someone said to me once, if you're saving in the thousands and giving in the hundreds in terms of dollars, that's probably a, a misbalance. 
Some of us are spending minutes a day trying to connect with God and hours watching media. That's an imbalance. We go, maybe what, what is underfunded in my life? And we all have it, right? Um, no judgment here, right? And this is the compassionate love of God who's saying, come on, think about this. Um, so do an audit. Secondly, spend slowly. Don't be quick to fill it all back up again and go right back to where you were before when before you were complaining about how busy it was. And I just wish, how many, how many times we say, I just wish I could hit stop. I could just wish I could hit pause. And then it all happens where like, oh my gosh, when is life going to get back to normal? It shouldn't go back to the way it was. It needs to be something new. And so spend slowly before, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to commit amount of time, what am I going to cut instead? And do I want to cut that? We live in a thing that says, I value all these things, but we don't actually make value trade-offs. We just think, oh, I value this, I value this, I value this. But in the end, we think, I don't have time for the things I value because we said yes to other stuff. So if you're going to spend time on something, do it slowly and think, what's going to get cut instead? And is this a first thing? Or if I'm going to do this, how could I make this a first thing as I do it? And then lastly, cut deep and take risks. See, see, this isn't about, some of us, this isn't about, oh, I'm just going to tweak a few minutes here and there. There may be some things you need to cut deep and actually get rid of completely and take risks and say, put it all on the table. Take, have risky conversations. What if we just didn't do that anymore? Some of you, one of you, the risk may be, I'm going to go to my employer and say, I would like to work from home 80% of the week and I will be more effective for you because I'm not commuting three hours a day. Take the risk, make the ask, see what happens and you need to cut enough to actually leave margin in your life so there is time left over to respond to the things that God is doing. You invite the band up, and they're going to close with a song that is, again, just a reminder of how good and loving our Heavenly Father is. And so even as you're reflecting on this and think, okay, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? How do we do this? What do we do next? Just listen and ask the good God to lead you in this. Before I give you a benediction and just dismiss you for the day, I um, wanted to just remind you to check out the 30 Days of Generosity on the site. It'll give you lots of ideas even over the past four weeks of, uh, as we've gone through this series. And if you're new and you're just jumping in today, you can kind of uh, go back and listen. But there's lots of ideas there for you, things that you could share with each other and encourage each other in this. As you go, uh, I just want to remind, now I know this is something as preachers we say a lot, but I think this is actually true this time. You and I have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity right now to come out of a season like this where a whole bunch of things were cut before we add it back in, to not just come out with a little more organization in our lives, but to actually come out of this as different people with hearts, that are closer to God's heart, that see the world, that see our time and our money and relationships and our school and our friends and our jobs and our health differently. And so I just want to bless you with a kind of hope that would begin to well up in you. And yeah, we don't know exactly how all things are going to reopen and what, and there may be another wave and all of that stuff. But that in your heart, there is a growing hope that God is doing something in you in this time and that you and I and our whole community is going to come out as different people. So I just bless you with that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have a great weekend.